This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most. Oh, I'm so excited to share today's guest. We've already been talking. feel this tremendous connection, and I am so grateful when people like this just show up in the studio, per se, or in our live, in our world. Uh, she is a very well-known costume designer and has worked in a number of films, films you would love, like Bridesmaids, and also as a personal stylist, and has just a lot of wisdom. It's such an honor to finally welcome to the show my new sister in spiritual crime, Miss Lisa Evans. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk. How are you doing navigating Los Angeles? I live there multiple times. It's got an energy to it. I want to know what you think. And also just the aggressiveness of it in terms of the traffic, the striving. I can feel how sensitive you are. How do you manage both your inner and how do you make that work for you in the outer? That's a great question. You know, I think truly I've always had a sense of surrender um, to just my inner being. So when I'm driving around, I just surrender to the traffic, listen to some good music, listen to an amazing podcast and just let people cut in front of me. And it just relieves the tension. You know, um, I think I try, I jokingly say my job, um, actually on this planet is to spread love, and I truly believe that's my job. So which in whichever way I'm doing that, whether I'm connecting with people doing a film project or I'm helping people um, figure out how to use clothing as a tool for confidence and actually well-being. Clothing is something that we have to use every day. And if we flip it and see it as this tool for our well-being, it just really takes on a different tone and a different meaning. And that's, that's part of my love, (laughs) loving nature, loving ourselves, loving each other. You know, someone sweetly said, um, it's not that we have to work on loving others. It's that we have to work on loving ourselves first. And it's so true because Sometimes, you know, we give more to others than we give to ourselves. Or, you know, as I say to my kids, it's like, you know, anyone who's truly happy is never unkind, you know? So just kind of taking on that approach, living in LA um, or in a big city anywhere, um, and then reconnecting and grounding in nature as often as possible. That's, that's really the balance there. How did you develop this life philosophy, this life practice? Were you very intuitive as a child? Were you empathetic? Uh, Was there someone of great influence? Did you read an autobiography of a yogi? What happened? (laughs) Um, You know, I I was born into an extremely open-minded um, family, and it was really supported to develop your intuition and to be a critical thinker and to and really just not, you know, 
live in the status quo, but but define your own path. And so I'm grateful to my parents and my siblings for us all supporting each other to find a, a unique pathway that resonates and feels truly, truly authentic, you know, not some kind of like nonsense of what we're supposed to do. My husband and I um, sweetly call that disingenuous namaste. <laughs> and, you know, but just like finding, finding the real thing, you know, and kind of connecting with ourselves and with others from just a more more truth and and less circumstance and pomp and you know and all of the you know sort of Hollywood vibe of this specific city. Do you meditate or is nature your meditation? Um, I do meditate. I meditate regularly, um, and as long as I have been meditating, I feel it continues to change me as a person in so many beautiful ways. You know, it's one of those things that you think like, oh, well, you know, I'll meditate and then I'll have some sort of, you know, epiphany. But the epiphanies just continue to come the longer you do it. So it just changes your, uh, I think, reaction more than anything. And you just have this more observant tone to how you approach life as opposed to just immediately getting in the mix of it. But you're just watching how it's all going to unfold, which which I'm so grateful for, you know, this meditation practice. And in the last couple of years, I'm meditating, but I'm also, you know, really just opening myself for the greatest good, you know, that's really, you know, looking for signs and messages and information to be that, um, that go along with my mission to be, <laughs> and my main job <laughs> to spread love. So you're not the character who works in the business or the character who's married. That's an avatar. Right. That allows your spirit to move through this time and place or a fraction of your spirit. So your larger ministry is spreading love. And one of the places you spread it is through style, design, the films. But it might also be down there at Ralph's or the car wash or just in a conversation at a coffee shop. Yeah, I think, you know, you can connect with someone for 30 seconds or a minute. That's as meaningful as some of the people you've known for your entire life you know you just have a feeling about it you, know, you sweetly said your soul sister and I already instinctually felt that even before we met today you know you just get a feeling from someone and you can see it in the tone in which they speak you can see it in their eyes you can see it how they present themselves there's a subtle and um, loving humility to the fact that we are all together learning as we go, you know, hopefully raising the collective consciousness as a group to continue to evolve. 
Wow, you're so articulate and eloquent and generous. Thank you. You just reminded me of an LA moment I had completely forgot about. So it's a wonderful memory. A few years ago, and you'll know the area, I was in that Sunset Plaza strip where all the restaurants are. And it was at night and I was walking with my girlfriend and we were walking and I caught sight of this beautiful African-American man at a table. And to this day, I'm not sure it might've been Wesley Snipes, but, or whoever, but we just locked eyes and we looked at each other and it was like a knowing glance. We smiled and nodded like, like two ETs that were here, like, Oh, there's agent 77 or two RX. So he gets up from the table with all the other people and walks out on the street. Comes up, we hug strong. Lots of love, brother. He goes back table, we keep walking. And she goes, who was that? Why didn't you introduce me? I said, I have no idea. She said, no. That's great. Wait, you're going to try to tell me a guy? What? That's the truth. It was just somehow we knew. And that's what I felt like you were describing there. And I forgot until you said that about that. Just one of the most beautiful moments walking down Sunset Boulevard at night after dinner. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, first of all, that's an amazing story that just pulled on every single one of my heartstrings. Um, but that's the kind of thing I mean, you know, you just come into contact with people for these brief moments and it just lifts your spirits in such amazing ways. And it's just that knowing you don't, you don't need more than that. That was, that was in that moment of like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be at the exact moment that you're supposed to be there and you don't have to question it further. You know, that's, that's it. Every day I'm reminded because I forget that how incredibly synchronized it all is. <laughs> I know. Whether you look up at the stars, but just a million things, even the thing that supposedly goes wrong, it's not, you're right where you're supposed to be. If you're paying attention and not throwing a tantrum. And of course I still get pissy. If I'm paying attention and I can put the toddler aside, it's like, oh, okay. And just like you say, surrender, surrender to the traffic, surrender to everything, surrender to mortality and the world and the condition of humanity, the hostile parts of it, call upon me to surrender on the hour. I'm like, why are, are we doing that that way? Can't we just stop and feed everybody and... I had a friend who did a whole bunch of ayahuasca about two or three months ago and he came back and he said, why are we all not just singing and dancing? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I said, I agree. And I'm not even taking those things yet, but there are, it's on the list. I think there is a really important message in this idea of all, we should all be singing and dancing, which is, we need to all take personal responsibility for our joy. And I'm not talking about just like being happy or being sad. I'm talking about living the majority of our life with a certain level of joy. And that's not, that means not going against yourself. And that's, that's like, you know, the job that you secretly hate, but that you pretend you love, that's actually killing you because you can't stand to go to work every day, you know, things like that. Um, which a lot of people figured out during the pandemic. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. Actually, I can no longer do this because I've had an involuntary stop and now my body further. Um, but it's it's interesting. And you know, I 
I think that this responsibility for our personal joy, um, it's an inside job, right? And, you know, people can talk about it, like, how, what do you do? How do? What does that look like? And it looks like so many different things for some, for different people at different times. You know, I notice that, you know, and, and maybe that's why I enjoy personal styling um, and being of service to people in this way, because it's this thing we have to do every day. We've literally got to get dressed every day because unlike my hippie parents, <laughs> um, we actually must be dressed <laughs> to go out into the world. One cannot run around naked. Um, it's against the law. So, well, in some, many places, most places. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, this includes slovenly podcasters. <laughs> People keep saying, why don't you do video? And I said, well, one, I have a face for radio. Two, I like being just sort of a, you know, sweatsuity kind of cash guy. But much to the chagrin of everyone I've ever been in love with, who are always like, can I pick your outfits out? Now, at least I have a stylist friend I can lean on. I've got you. I've got you. You got, got me you. now. All right. That was going to be a huge update. But took 1,100 shows for the What Matters Most, for the good universe to go, we need to find him a stylist. <laughs> but it has to be a deeply intuitive soul sister stylist. For the listener out there, anywhere in the world, because we get these notes from everywhere, which is thank you all. How I can hear someone whispering, maybe many, hey, how do I tap into this way of living? And then I can extend it into my wardrobe. But really, just how do I live like this? So give me some starter points. Give me some... Uh, I'm not in show business. I'm a soccer mom or I work in politics in Amsterdam or I'm thinking of different people or I'm a retired CEO billionaire in, uh, in Europe, in Portugal. These are some of the people that write in or the dude in New Zealand or the people in Japan. How this is universal to my mind. The languages are different. How do they tap in? You know, I think most of it comes from asking yourself the important questions and sometimes the answers don't come right away and it's okay to sit with it for a while. And a while is different for each person, which is what truly makes me happy and getting a little bit more clear and comfortable with saying, hey, no, thanks. I don't think I'll meet you for dinner tonight. I think I'd like to stay home and read a book or, you know, no, thanks. I think I'm going to you know, go on this trip alone instead of, you know, with a group or whatever it might be. It's first and foremost, really looking inward, I think, and figuring it out in, in the way of like, hey, what makes me happy? And what do I feel passionate about? You know, and the meditation helps a lot with that because it, it calms your nervous system, you know, which any of us who live, you know, in a busy lifestyle, our nervous systems are just, you know, our adrenals are going and we're, you know, amped um, most of the time. So the meditation really helps that. I think also there are just these very basic things and one of them is getting dressed. You know, if we go out of the house in something that we don't feel truly in alignment with, all day long we're tugging and we're pulling it's too tight it's too loose it doesn't suit me the color the this that there's so many reasons and we've got this inner dialogue 
going on in our head all the time. I wish I hadn't worn this. Are they judging me? Am I judging myself? You know, so this clothing bit is an extension of who we truly are. And I think people will notice, you know, when you have a good outfit on that really feels in alignment with, with who you are internally, you really, you have a great day. You know, it's very simple, good outfit, good day, bad outfit, bad day. And so there's something to it. And I think, you know, we've approached it for such a long time um, as this utterly creative <laughs> process that seems to elude us because as it turns out, we're all not, you know, master painters with, you know, our paintings in museums around the world. And that's kind of how it seems um, in terms of difficulty of getting dressed. But I think there's a much simpler process to it, which is recognizing the shapes that make us feel good. And the sum of those shapes make up our silhouette. And because proportion is so individual, our proportion is like our fingerprint or like our retina, which is there's no two alike. So you can even take, you know, two people who are seemingly the same height, around the same size, but they don't wear the same clothes. And, and most of that is due to proportion. And a small part of that is due to personality and individuality. So, you know, once you take these shapes, you know, it's like you get in a, even a t-shirt. We're talking about t-shirts and sweatpants right now because we've all just come out of that, right? Um, a t-shirt that is too short or too long or too wide or too tight, all of those things just are too much. They don't feel right. But when you put on that t-shirt that's the right width and the right length, suddenly we're like, this is my t-shirt. And we can get comfortable in a second when we put on the right t-shirt, the right sweatpants. And the sum of that t-shirt and that pair of sweatpants becomes your individual silhouette. So now you know what you're looking for. So shopping gets easier and aligning yourself with your exterior self and your interior self becomes much more of a simple process. And we don't suddenly have to become, um, you know, Van Gogh and <laughs> any number of master painters with pieces in museums. We can become our most authentic self through through this process of this thing that we have to do every day. So that's that's a big part of it. It really is a formula. And you know, this proportion thing is pretty fascinating because it's in nature, it's in architecture, it's in art, it's in the human body, it's all over, you know? And now we're just suddenly like, oh, it's about proportion. It's not about having quote, good style. It's about understanding my proportion as an individual. And it's irrelevant how old you are, what size you are, your race, your gender, your economic you know, level. Proportion is just truly you. And finding the things that work for you is 
this alignment piece that's really, it's really healing and it's very loving to ourselves. How important is it then to stay off social media? Because all I see are these crazy unrealistic images that are so filtered or I feel for women too, with the artificial surgeries, this injections, the filter on top, the rail thin arms, like if your breasts weren't augmented, you would look like you stumbled out of a, you know, a camp that hadn't been fed. And, you know, I just feel, I look at all that and I feel it's tragic because it's torturing the person. We know it's epidemic by the numbers. And that's just the ones that we know about suicide rates, depression, alienation. I mean, I love what you're saying. It's, it's love and acceptance, but you have to avoid what's been artificially, artificially created to sell you something. So you buy more and more stuff and go for an artificial sense of perfection. The Van Gogh, when even Van Gogh committed suicide. So don't try to be anyone else. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I think the thing with social media um, is kind of a bigger conversation about what we as a society globally think of what's beautiful and what's sexy. You know, we, I think if we redefine that, you know, someone who's loving, that's beautiful and sexy. You know, someone who's intelligent and who's interested in the world at large, that's sexy and beautiful. You know, I think we've put so much on the exterior that we are undeveloped interior. <laughs> um, and so we feel lonely and we feel sad and we don't know why. And it's mostly because we're just trying to put a Band-Aid on this, you know, on a river, <laughs> basically. Um, so, you know, someone actually, I have a friend, Luke Story, who also does an amazing podcast. And I, I really, um, he asked me one day, because he's a former stylist as well. And so we had this sweet connection. And he asked me why I thought that so many models and so many people who are really in the public eye for the way they look physically um, are the most insecure. And I, I thought, well, that's an interesting question, but I think it's just very simple, which is there's so much emphasis on this exterior and there's so little emphasis on who they are as a person. And there's this person inside who's like, hey, what about me? Like, don't, you know, don't you want to know about me, the real me, you know? And there's, there's something, there's something about that, that I think we all need to remember that, that everyone has an interesting story and everyone has something truly unique and there's something to learn from everyone. You know, the parent learns from the child who learns from the friend and the mentor and that, you know, we're all just, we're all in this together to learn from one another. And so to put so much emphasis on just one thing, we're, we're missing this whole other story, which is likely 1 million trillion billion times more interesting. So true. And in it, it's up to us to keep our own savage inner critic out of the room 
because that's the voice that really cuts because people could say crazy stuff about me but if my critic doesn't you know internalize it and then hit me with it it's going to bounce off so that's part of the meditation which is really good because by, by the way my critics is lurking all the time how dare you say that about me you know don't we all i mean we all have that right he's always around yeah. <laughs> The hindsight guy everything in hindsight thanks if i could just get him ahead of the game tell me when to buy the amazon not after it was two and now right. it's ten thousand. <laughs> hindsight guy thanks hindsight guy that's so true that's so true when you work with some of these folks uh and let's just say like on a movie or it's a star and the academy awards are coming up i know you're going to be busy how do you tap into both them and help them tap into themselves so you can holistically and organically design, help, and empower the style that's going to work for them and also where they feel good about stepping out there in front of a billion people on the Oscars or wherever, or just in a film or whatever. It can't just be you. How do you develop that rapport? How do you tap in? I think it's just through connection. You know, really listening to someone, Um getting to know a little bit about them just in that way that you had that beautiful experience on in sunset plaza you know you knew everything you needed to know about that person in that moment for you to give each other a hug you know it's not a long process i think you just start to feel someone's energy and you can see when people try on clothes it's a really um interesting process because people can't fake how they feel right so something that feels incredibly good someone stands taller and they smile more they their posture is just comfortable you know I think you know it's not again it's an oxymoron because right we've got to walk the red carpet sometimes and walking the red carpet is you know your hair and your makeup and your undergarments and everything is just you know, buttoned up and, and all of that. And yet we're supposed to be comfortable. You know, that a lot of times I, I personally don't style people only for red carpet because my process is about our everyday, including the red carpet. So I want someone to feel comfortable in their own skin and really feel aligned on every day. So when they get to the red carpet, they're there too you know, um, and it changes you, you know, over time. So you feel um, on a daily basis, more comfortable, um, and you feel happier. And then you're noticing that you feel you're a bit kinder. And then over time, you know, you start to notice that it's affecting a lot of different things in your life. So when you get to the red carpet, you can be authentic too. You don't feel that thing that people talk about, that imposter syndrome. You know, you're more grounded in, in who you are. Um, you don't have as much dialogue going on in your head and that, you know, that inner critic that we all have, which is if I was, you know, if I weighed less, if I was taller, I, you know, if I had this or that you know, straight hair versus curly, curly versus straight, you know, all these different things that we kind of, again, get to that surrender place where I am who I am. And what are the things about myself that I love about myself? 
And then would I actually trade that thing that I love about myself for a few more inches of height or longer hair or, you know, all of these different things or, you know, losing 10 pounds, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's really, it's the sum of the parts, you know, because we all are so individual and just cutting ourselves some slack and asking for help. You know, I think, I think we all have to remember that 99.9% .9 of people walking the red carpet have professionals helping them. I lived out there and worked in the movie business. I, I was amazed. And the peek behind the curtain is brutal. And like you say, God bless. Usually the most famous were the most insecure, troubled. And it wasn't anything I would wish on anybody. The only part you see is the red carpet, the smiles. And the rest of it is is cruel and brutal. And it ah talk about falling in love with a false self. But once you're invested and you know, you're time stamped and there's so many factors outside of yourself to determine your worth constantly. It's, I was like repelled. I felt, you know, why would anyone want this? Usually the people that were attracted to it were trying to fill a hole, which ironically that industry only makes bigger, deeper and worse. Yeah. You know, it, it is hard because, you know, and, and social media is just, social media just exasperates the situation, which is, you know, we all now seemingly can be extremely critical of each other, outwardly critical <laughs> all over the place. I, I mean, I personally don't believe in that. And who are we to judge one another, you know, in that way, you know? And I think, again, it's, I personally, Sure. Do I every once in a while get caught up in sort of the rat race? No, I'm human, you know, but then I catch myself and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> how did this happen to me? I have to go back to my meditation. Um, but most of the time I'm, I like the idea that we are finding a different grounding um, that is beyond what we do for work. So in this case, you know, if you're in front of the camera and you're walking the red carpet and this, this part is hard that we're finding a different grounding so that when we do get there, you know, we are living a more authentic life, you know, and we feel good when we're in our sweatpants and we feel good when we're on the red carpet and everything in between, you know, because I think that we've found that place where we're in alignment and now we can start to have fun now it's like something a little bit more wild and fun and crazy than what we normally wear well that was just a, a something to spark more joy I, I think you're more therapist than uh you probably are stylist actually they're getting you need to double your fee because you're actually getting a therapist and a stylist and a costume designer in one package i mean and i am a spiritual teacher you like bringing all this so much stuff to the table for these people it's not i think clothes is just one small aspect of it obviously you're in a friendship speaking of which how did you and amy schumer connect and start working together and then you created a company amy and i met through judd apatow on uh train wreck and you know we we really enjoyed that process of working together. I think, you know, Amy loved the idea that 
um, she could find the shapes that made up her silhouette and suddenly she had a different view on what made her um, feel good and fashion was fun. You know, we have done a couple of different things together over the years and, you know, I greatly um, respect and admire Amy for being her authentic self and speaking up for the things that that mean something to her. And, you know, I've had such good fortune truly to work with so many different people um, over the years. And I kind of just have this one hard and <laughs> fast rule, which is, you know, when you make a real connection and you feel this, you know, deeper need to carry the relationship beyond the project that you're working on, you know, then you suddenly have, um, you know, a true friendship. And other times you meet people just in those moments and you had a great time on that project. You may or may not come across them again, but you look back on it fondly you know, and, and then there's other people that are just like blip in and blip out and just like these brief moments and you didn't have the opportunity to really get to know each other. Um, but there's, you know, sometimes it's, it's just beyond your control. You must become friends, you know, and I think, you know, most of my um, close relationships in and around, you know, the film industry have really just stemmed from an immediate attraction of like-minded, loving humans and who are expressing their creativity and doing um, work from this really, you know, creative perspective that is just a fun, it's a fun process. You know, and it doesn't have to be more than that. I think when you do get caught up into it being more than that, there's a very dark side of, <laughs> of the movie business that just makes you always wanting more and truly being satisfied. And then you just have to ask yourself, like, when is it enough? And it never is. And that's that breeds a whole different, you know, kind of person. Wow. And more synchronicity. I got a note. I wrote a book called Beverly Hills Hobo about my time out there in the business. And at one point, I, I wouldn't even have remembered it, honestly. And I never, I've rarely ever talked about my books, but this is so apropos. A guy who used to work out there too and left and now is sailing through the Caribbean and giving tours. I'm envious. Uh, shout out to you, Jack. But uh, he wrote and said that uh, he was reading the book again. And he said, talked about the disease of more and that if you have that and out there it was epidemic and if you have that no matter where you live you'll never be grateful and you'll always feel less and awful about stuff you can't it's a terrible disease and it's usually in the most affluent places because you know at the bottom you just want something to eat and water if you have it and a safe place to sleep i think it's great to dream big and it's equally great to be utterly grateful for where you are you know and it's and i i 
I like to personally know that there's limitless possibilities. That just gives me all this like room to spread my wings and fly about and, you know, and go anywhere and do anything. But at the same time, you know, uh, there's nothing I love better than just to be at home hanging out. Well, your husband hit the lottery. I hope he listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> and a shout out to Amy, who is a Martha's Vineyard person with her husband, Chris, and they have a three-year-old. And uh, I used to go and eat at his restaurants and he put on these dinners. He's fabulous. And I've seen Amy around the campus. And she's got a wonderful reputation. She's friends of friends, down to earth. So, Amy, if you end up here in this, I'll see you in the vineyard. And uh, you're always welcome. Come on, anybody on the vineyard's welcome. So, and we have to get you to come. You've never been, which is a travesty. Yeah, I have been to visit friends. Um, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a special place there. It really is. You know, I... um, love to travel. <laughs> I really do. I just want to go everywhere at least one time. I love, I there's, I can't think of a place I've ever been that I didn't enjoy being there. What are you excited about? What's coming next? You know, I'll tell you what I'm excited about. Um, I, my husband and I just recently optioned some Dolores Cannon books, if you're familiar with her. And so we're developing um, a project with um, her family, which is fun and exciting. And, you know, I really am just always practicing, (laughs) practicing, practicing my spirituality and um, my connection with anyone and everyone. and then, of course, you know, I'm, I've really enjoyed uh, being a costume designer, and I have so much respect for all the amazing costume designers that there are in this world who, you know, are creating these memorable characters that make us feel um, like they're, they're part of us. They're the people we aspire to be and the, you know, the the people that we, you know, disliked when we were growing up, all the different characters that just, you know, we can look at that and be like, oh, that's why that person was that way. Or, oh, I want to be like that person, you know? So, and costumes is such a huge part of that. So that's been really fun and I can continue to do those kinds of projects, but, you know, I'm pretty excited about, you know, developing um, projects, you know, my husband who's a writer and and that's that's a really fun process for sure and you know speaking of intuitive you know I work on my intuition daily you know and I think it's something we all have the ability to do and it's such a fun um and worthwhile endeavor to develop that um in all of our lives it it just it makes you feel a little less scared out there in the world, you know, and a little bit more grounded and, and you see the connection so much easier. Do you fear your own mortality ending at all? I mean, obviously on a very primal level, you'd step off a railroad track, but 
do you spend much time wondering or worrying about leaving here, which is inevitable? You know, I, for some reason, have not had fear of death in my life. Um, I definitely have made conscious decisions like I've had cancer actually twice. Um, and I remember the first time I had it, I was in my mid thirties and I had this really definitive idea that there were so many more things I wanted to do in this world. And I certainly was not ready to go, you know? Um, and I think, you know, sometimes, um, getting sick is just this very, uh, you know, <laughs> amazing way to have an involuntary stop and to reassess exactly what you're doing and the things that um, are getting you to this place where your body's like, hey, I'm right here, help me out. Um, and one of those things I realized was that, you know, I just have this um, certain type of personality that just wants to give, give, give. Sometimes I don't give enough to myself and I, I become aware of that in, in a way that, um, you know, that whole, like giving someone the shirt off your back, but then you're naked. <laughs> that's called being a martyr. Yeah. And yeah, that's not, that's not how I want to live my life. So no martyrs. Yeah. And you know what? It's like, I came by it, um, you know, authentically because my grandmother was like that. And I, for a while, when I was young, I lived with my grandmother and I thought, you know, I learned, I learned that behavior and it's like, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, oh yeah, that's actually like, it's such a loving thing, but not to the point of being a martyr, you know? So that's been a something I've worked on, you know, really diligently to create more of that balance. So you don't get there. You can put on your resume. I come from a long line of martyrs. <laughs> I really do think I do. I mean, no, mind you, I didn't know my great grandparents, but she must, my grandmother must've gotten it from somewhere. Well, do you want to leave an inspirational message here as we say goodbye? We'll definitely have you back on. And I can't wait to meet you in person the next time I'm out in Tinseltown. Uh, what would you say to the uh, those folks around the world who've been touched by us today, especially you? Thank you. That's so kind. I think the things that I'm currently doing to help people with this everyday process of getting dressed, which is something that's just mandatory in all of our lives, are to you know reframe fashion and you know lift it up. Um, and plop it down in our, you know, health and wellness category um, so that it feels like it's an important part of our everyday, just like brushing our teeth and, you know, taking a shower and just feeling like it's something like that that we do um, and finding those shapes that make up that silhouette that is individual to your proportion will get you in alignment so quickly and it's it's a different process but it's a process that takes all of the you know needing of a master master class out of it but um 
but brings it back to you being your own best stylist and finding the things that feel in most in alignment with you. So, you know, I encourage everyone to spend a little time with themselves and ask them themselves, you know, which is the best t-shirt for me, which is the right one, the right length, the right width. And the easiest way to do that truly is to find that vertical line that runs from the top of your head, straight down the center of your body, down to your toes. And when that vertical line to your eye is longer than the horizontal line that crosses your body, then you know that the proportion is, is elongating. And that is in the best alignment that we can find. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light.